0: Welcome foreign-born mamas. My name is Nurjan Sturbins and I'm the host of this podcast where I'll be sharing my personal journey of self-awakening and healing childhood traumas in the hopes that it will inspire you to begin your own self-healing journey and transform your life. Each episode will focus on raising our self-awareness about our traumas, and share tools, insights, and conversations that help me to grow my mindset to heal my traumas and transform my mental health. On this podcast, we are going to transform your childhood story and kickstart your own journey into self-healing and self-growth so that you can finally be your authentic self, be happy, and thrive in this new country you now call home. Hi mamas, welcome back. Today I was noticing that my last episode was downloaded by possibly other foreign-born moms in Zimbabwe, Japan, Germany, England. This is so exciting that someone else around the world is listening to my story and I hope my stories are helping you in your journey. doesn't matter where you are in motherhood journey or childhood trauma healing journey or general self-awareness awakening journey. Today, I would like to talk about the concept of beauty and prettiness. What makes one woman more beautiful than others? Where these criterias and standards come from? Who defined those standards? Why do we have those standards? And are they good for us? And how the standards have been impacting us as children, as adults, and how the standards are possibly affecting our children through us. And I'm going to share with you my personal story because that's how I like to roll and explain things. So I hope you will enjoy it. So let's dive in. So recently, as part of trying to cultivate more fun in my life and also try to find something that can help me to move my body and um, relax, I decided to sign up for bachata dance classes in Portland, Oregon. As far as I can remember, as a child, I always loved dancing and singing. I remember how I participated in every school performances. I remember how I would be singing at weddings and birthday parties. And I remember how I would be always dancing. And in Kyrgyzstan, it was easy because all year round, we have a lot of celebrations where people gather over food and they sing and dance. And of course, there's an alcohol. But we have a lot of occasions where people would gather and occasions like anniversary birthday parties, we have like male circumcision party, we have different holidays. And we even have this money loaning system, it's called Casa, where a couple of women gather, and they lend each other money each month. So if there are five friends, they would Collect the money from five, and they would give it to the person on that month so that she can buy a cow or something that she needs. And then the next month, it will be the next woman. But in each gathering, they would again sing, dance, and celebrate. So in Kyrgyzstan, it's very a normal part of life where people are constantly gathering, celebrating, dancing, and connecting as human beings. But as time started passing, I stopped singing and dancing. I stopped making any public speeches, participating in any events. And the older I get, the less of me you would see. And when I moved to the U.S., it became even easier to kind of hide from people and not do those things because U.S. culture is very individualistic. You don't see a lot of events where People would gather a lot. They would do singing and dancing. So it was really easy for me to kind of invisibly, quietly disappear from a social scene, continue not doing those things, even though now I'm realizing that it may not have been the best thing for me. And I'm not sure why or when I stopped singing and dancing. I cannot really pinpoint a certain moment or event that caused this behavior to stop. But as I began taking um, bachata dance classes, some of the old childhood traumas and wounds began to surface. So bachata dancing requires a lot of practice. So I go to bachata class, teacher shows us a new move, and then you have to practice it. And the way you practice it is you have to find a partner to dance and practice. It's a partner dance. And to do that, you have to go to a social dance gathering. And these events happen every week where women and men, they would gather and they would dance um, bachata. And usually the lead will be male, the person who is leading the dance, and the follower would be a woman. And usually then the men would have to invite women to dance. And I remember how on my first visit to a social dance, I was so nervous and I remember how I walked into this room. It was dark, loud music, lots of lights and I saw a lot of people dancing in the middle and um, I was feeling very anxious and uneasy because I didn't know anyone and I didn't know really how to dance well so I was entering a very unfamiliar situation so my nervous system was on very high alert And I was really nervous. And as I walked further in, I saw more women. Some women were sitting up, some were were along the wall, and they were all watching the dance in the middle, and they were waiting for something. And I quickly learned that day that in order to have fun dancing with a partner, you need to be invited. And in order to be invited, you had to meet two possible criteria. One was you had to be attractive or beautiful. Number two is you had to be an amazing dancer. In those days, in those moments, I was not feeling like any of those criterias. As a newbie, I got invited a couple of times to dance, which was really exciting. But lead partners pretty soon realized that I was not quite a good dancer yet. And after that, no invitation has followed. And so I remember how I would sit alone and I would wait, and I would hope that someone would notice me and would feel excited to dance with me. But it was not really happening. It was happening like one or two times, but like a lot of times would pass where I would be sitting and waiting. Slowly, the feeling of rejection began flooding me. And that moment, when partners were not inviting me, I felt somehow not good enough, not pretty enough, And my childhood memories of being rejected for not being pretty enough began to resurface again. And I started feeling this um, pain that felt really familiar. In Kyrgyzstan, as a girl growing up, I always wanted to be liked by boys. It was especially strong during middle school and high school, I would say. And I remember how, as I was growing up, my friends who were girls, started having boyfriends and then I started watching them, you know, walking together with their, their boyfriends after school. I watched them receiving Valentine cards and flowers and gifts and attention. I watched them holding hands and kissing. I watched them to be happy and in love and I wanted the same thing, but somehow it never happened to me. And it didn't matter how good I was, how much effort I put in into my outlook, how hard I worked. But it never worked. And I remember how for a long time, I felt very rejected and lonely for who I am. I dreamed that someone would finally discover me, that someone would notice me, that someone would appreciate, and someone would think that I'm beautiful, and that somebody would finally like me or love me for who I am but it never happened. Growing up I watched the type of girls the boys in my culture wanted. They wanted someone with white and fair skin. They wanted someone not too tall, not too short. They wanted someone slim and not too fat. They wanted someone who had oval face, long eyelashes, straight legs, clean face without any spots They wanted someone who had black and long hairs. Um, They wanted someone who didn't have any scars or moles. And then there were other features that were also part of the requirement of being acceptable or desired as beautiful. You had to be healthy. You had to be obedient. You had to be modest and shy. You had to be good cook. You had to be good cleaner. You had to be good at pleasing others. And you had to be basically a good material for becoming a good daughter-in-law or wife or mom. So you had to be good at so many things. And I didn't fit the bill for most of this physical appearances or other features that they wanted. I had brown face with high cheeks. My grandmother used to have high cheeks instead of oval face. I had freckles all over my face because... I used to work in the fields helping to pick cotton and so sun bring out all the spots on my face. I had sort of like hooded round eyes and my lips were small and thin and my mouth was kind of small for my teeth so my smile was not the prettiest. I had brown everything, skin, eyes, hair and because I thought I lacked physical features to be accepted as pretty I really focused on other attributes that made a girl like me possibly be accepted or liked. So I remember how I became this excellent daughter, and I would cook and clean to perfection. I remember how I would wear always modest clothes and not to be too, you know, perceived as vulgar or, um, you know, impure. I remember how I acted shy and never challenged anyone's opinion. I remember how I worked really hard to be available, always available for others and catering to them. I think at some point I became this master in anticipating other people's needs and wants. Even to this day, it's like I am so much better at this than my husband because I was I practiced at it and um I became a A student, always getting good grades. And all of this efforts brought me praise, and approval from my parents and teachers and others, but it never really got me into having a boy who loved me or liked me romantically. So I grew up with this pain in my heart and belief that I must not be beautiful or pretty enough, that I must not be lovable because of that, and that my appearance is just not gonna ever cut it. As time went by and I had very Few interests in me by other men, it just reinforced my internal belief that I created as a little girl about me being not pretty, beautiful, or lovable enough. And now that I am in the US and I am taking bachata lessons, this fear that I am not pretty enough or lovable enough is coming up again and again. When I see men that I would like to dance with are not inviting me to dance, I get anxious, uneasy, I would like to run away, I want to quit because it is so painful to feel rejected. I feel rejected. But how do we define pretty or what's beautiful? Why is one woman considered more beautiful than the other? What makes one woman more beautiful and not, and the other one not so beautiful. Where do standards and criteria come from? Who set those standards? Were we as women were involved in setting those criteria? And are these criteria and standards are good for us? And how the standards are affecting? us right now as adults, how they affected us as children, and how they may be affecting our children. So let's look at flowers for a second. Each flower that you see when you go on a walk, each are so different in how they look, right? They smell differently, they look differently, they shape differently, they color differently. Some of them are tall, some of them are short, Some of them are round and some of them are slim. Some have many petals and some have very few. Some have dots and some have stripes. And some are mixed color, some of them one tone, some are bright colored, some are darker colored, some are twirly and some are straight. Some of them smell really strong and some smell really weak. And when we look at them, we don't usually say one is more beautiful than others. We might have some preferences of what we might like, and that is true, I think, for all people, but overall, we somehow can recognize and appreciate beauty in all of them, despite how differently they look. And so it made me wonder, what if we, as women, were meant to be as flowers, so various and so different? We all look so different in every possible way. And yet, we are all humans. How come we perceive certain physical features more beautiful than the other? Shouldn't be beauty defined by not others, by ourselves? Shouldn't be beauty defined not only based on physical features, but also by by other attributes like courage, kindness, compassion, the way you hold yourself, the way you treat other people, and how you show up in this world? It feels like, for me, that we have this invisible standards of what is beautiful in every culture. I see it even in the US. In the US, the more blonde, more big boobs, and the more like fit looking you are, you are considered more beautiful. There are own standards even in the US. And it's possible that these standards for what is beautiful, what makes women beautiful, in every culture and it may vary. And some of them will be very similar and some of them may be different. And I'm not sure when and how the standards were set, but I don't agree with them. I think these standards are degrading to each of us as women. Despite the progress we made in technology, education, human development, we seem to continue perpetuating the standard and passing them to the next generation. And it's not being perpetuated by only men, it's being perpetuated by women too. For example, I caught myself many times commenting on other people's uh, outlooks, especially pretty women, in front of my husband and children. And so inadvertently, I am giving the message to them about what makes one more beautiful. And then they're conditioned to believe and think that way and continue to think and then treat the same uh, filter to women in their life. So you see that this cycle is keep continuing and we are also possibly one of the perpetrators of this unhealthy cycle. I think it is time we begin questioning these standards because they are unhealthy and they're not good for us. They're causing a lot of childhood trauma in girls. We have generations upon generations of girls who are growing up because of the standards, comparing themselves to others, changing themselves for others through surgeries and all of those things, and believing that they are not lovable enough because of how they look, because of what is considered beautiful. And the impact of this belief, trauma and belief is so huge in terms of then what this girl then believes she can do, what she can believe she can have, and what she models to her children. Just look at the billboards and social media at your feed on your phone, on Facebook or Instagram or just general? What kind of faces do you see in the beauty industry to give you an idea of what is beautiful, what is beautiful looks like in your culture? And try to pay attention what is being shown or what is being taught as beautiful because that is the invisible standards that I'm talking about that has been perpetuated and conditioned to us as being beautiful or considered being beautiful. And try to pay attention then to your words when you describe a person's outlook or when you give compliments. So how do we stop this? Try to pay attention to your words when you describe a person's outlook or when you give them compliments because your words and your actions through compliments would also give you information and clue in terms of what you have been conditioned to believe of what is beautiful for women. Try to notice what you perceive as beautiful and pretty in other person. Try to notice when you believe that someone is more beautiful than others and ask the question why and begin questioning if that's true and where that come from. Because the way you talk about beauty in others, the way you express it, the way you believe, is how you also unconsciously projecting and possibly conditioning your possible, your future children to view beauty in others. And through this small actions of observation, noticing, and self awareness, we are then going to awaken ourselves to this invisible standards and criterias that hold us back as women and traumatize us as children and traumatizing us right now in our lives. And for me, as I go to social dancing each week, I have to mentally prepare myself that I will be rejected based on my physical appearance. I have to be aware that there is this social standards of beauty or what makes women beautiful and what makes them desirable for men. And I have to feel the fear and the pain when the rejection happens and continue dancing anyways. I have to remind myself of my intention of why I'm going to social dancing in the first place. I have to remind myself that my physical appearance and dancing skills are not predictor of my worth. And that my beauty is not subject to anyone's approval. And it is not defined by my outlook. I have to remind myself that I am beautiful just the way I am. And if someone does not feel that way and doesn't want to dance with me or be with me, then I have to let them go. I have a choice. I can choose to be with someone who truly enjoys my company, not because of how I look, but how I show up as a person. And that's how we are going to grow our self-awareness and that's how we are going to be more empowered as women as moms to change things in our lives and stop struggling i hope this was helpful and insightful for you if you have realized that you have been doing the same thing in your life please don't be hard on yourself we are all doing it without even realizing it but times are changing and more moms are awakening. More moms are speaking up, and that's why I started this podcast, so that I can contribute in these efforts. And I hope that more foreign-born moms can also begin their healing journeys, which begin by raising our self-awakening to the lies or standards that are not good for us and begin claiming their truth and start choosing to believe and do things differently in their life. And I want them to believe through this episode that we are all beautiful just the way we are, that we meant to look and be this way. And I truly believe that we make this world a better place by being who we authentically are. So please be gentle with yourself as you begin awakening to the lies that hold us back and made us behave a certain way and know that you're not alone. I am right here with you, swimming in this murky waters of mess trying to figure out what is true and what is false. Thank you so much for listening and supporting this podcast. Please share if this episode was in any ways helpful for you. Please share it with other moms. We need to awaken more foreign-born moms. We need to talk more about these issues. We need to talk more about all the standards and lies that are causing us traumas. And we need to start sharing our stories of truth, because that's part of the process of healing and reclamation. And I think it's time that we do that. Thank you so much again. I hope to see you in the next episode. Please take care. And if anything resonated or if you have any other questions, please DM me on Instagram or Facebook. I am always looking forward for any comments or any insight that this episode or other episodes brought to you. Thank you again, and I hope to see you in the next episode. Did you enjoy this podcast episode? Did it help you in any way to feel inspired, supported, and grow as a foreign-born mama? If it helped you, it is going to help other foreign-born mamas too. Please share this podcast episode with other moms and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or any platform that you use, and help us to get our message out to more mamas out there who might be struggling right now in their marriages, relationships, and parenting. I hope the stories and conversations are awakening you, where you find yourself saying, Oh my God, that's me. When we begin recognizing ourselves in the stories, we begin recognizing our truths. And that's how the self-awakening process begins. And that's how I started my self-healing and self-awakening journey. And so I am so excited to see more foreign-born moms awakening like this and feeling inspired to change their lives and the lives of their children. I'm hoping to release episodes every Monday or Wednesday, but I would highly recommend that you subscribe to the podcast so that you can be notified immediately when the new episode drops. And if you would like to kickstart your own self-discovery and self-healing journey, I have also created a list of my favorite books that have absolutely changed my life definitely download that and check that out. Lastly, I'm hoping to create a community of like-minded foreign-born moms who are the survivors of childhood trauma and trying to heal themselves and parent intentionally. So if you're interested to continue the conversations on trauma and our real experiences in terms of how it shows up in our lives and how it affects us and share tips and guidance with each other, please join us in the free Foreign Born Mama Facebook community group the link for joining the group is in the show notes thank you again follow us on facebook and instagram i am so excited to help you on your journey of self-awakening self-healing self-growth as a foreign-born mama so that you can finally be your authentic self be happy and thrive in the new country you now call home